1: James chapter 2, we're going to start with verse 14 this morning. And what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked, destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You may be seated. We're going to be going through... James chapter 2, the, the remainder of it uh, this morning. And we're going to be talking about a subject that I'm sure is familiar to most of you, as this is a highly quoted or taught passage of Scripture. But let's look first at verse 14. He says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Now what James is saying here, beginning in verse 14, is he saying that if you do not have works to go along with your faith, then you have not experienced saving faith. So what good is a faith that does not result in works? That's what he's saying. What is good is belief in God, that God exists, but that faith then does not produce an obedience to God. So he's saying, what profit, what good is a faith, a belief in something that does not result in a change of action? I can believe in a lot of things, but if my actions do not change, then that is my belief really got conviction to it. That's the question this morning. What profit, what good is a faith that lacks uh, works to go along with it? I can believe that the lights will turn on when I flip the switch. But if I never flip the switch, will the lights ever come on? No. I can believe that when I turn the water faucet on, I can believe that water is going to make its way into my house and it's going to make its way into my cup. But if I don't turn the handle, is my water going to flow? So if I do not turn the handle or flip the switch, is my faith really real? Is my faith real if I never act upon what I claim to believe in? Amen. That's what James is saying today. Is your faith real if it does not have works? Can that kind of faith save that person? So if I have faith, that does not result in works, is that faith able to save me? So if I have faith that does not result in me turning on the faucet for water, I'm going to die of dehydration. That faith cannot save me. A faith that does not result in action is not saving faith. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works is dead. He says here very pointedly, and this is something that Christians are incredibly guilty of, especially here uh, in the West. As we see someone who was hurt, someone that is destitute, and we say to them, I wish you well. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, brother. I hope that you get your next meal. I'm praying that you'll get some clothes on your back. I'm praying that that someone will find you and feed you. I'm praying that, I'm praying, I'm praying. Be be warned. God loves you. Jesus loves you. And then I don't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Then my faith. Is not real faith. Mm -hmm. Now that should be challenging to every single one of us. Mm -hmm. Because he's talking about a non-saving faith here. A faith that does not result in obedience to God's will is not saving faith. Now faith alone saves us, which we'll talk more uh, about in a minute. Your works don't save you. But your works will be a byproduct of genuine faith. And so if I see someone who is hungry, who's destitute, who's thirsty, who is in need, and I simply say to them, be good, be well, have a good life, yet I don't do anything for them, then I don't have genuine faith. And that's challenging to me, and that should be challenging to you this morning because how many times does someone come and talk to us and we tell them merely, "I'll pray for you." Uh, our uh, John, John Acuff wrote a book. Uh, oh man, stuff Christians like. And uh, and then he talks about pocket glitter because you don't want to have a real meaningful conversation, and you don't really want to get pulled into their problem, right? Come on, some of us don't want. To, you, we don't want to get pulled in. Right? We, we, we're trying to stay away. We're trying to keep our distance. And so the pocket glitter is you go, I'll pray for you. Throw your glitter and then run the opposite direction. So while they're focusing on the glitter, you get away. Oh, wow. Many times our, I'll pray for you, is our pocket glitter. Uh-huh. I'll pray for you. Let me get out the other way. Why? Because it's easy to say, I'll pray. It's hard to do something about it. Uh-huh. Yes, it when someone is hurting when someone is suffering, when someone is in need, it's easy to say, God, I'll pray for you. In fact, it's mocked on the Internet everywhere where, where when there's uh, tragedy, uh, atheists and non-Christians love to mock Christians who say thoughts and prayers. Mm-hmm. Why? Because far too long, we've just said thoughts and prayers, but we've never put action to those thoughts and prayers. Mm-hmm. Far too long, we've said, I'll pray for you, but we've never put action to those we never put feet to that prayer. We never put feet to that, that gesture of, God, uh, I'm gonna pray for that person. And that, James says emphatically, if you and I do not meet the needs of others and we simply give them a voice or dismiss them with a, I'll pray for you, or I hope you feel better soon, or I hope you're okay, and we don't pray, or induce more than that, then we got to question the genuineness of our faith. Now listen, sometimes all you can do is pray. I had a situation recently where I desperately wanted to be involved. I wanted to be there for that person. I wanted to, to go see them and be there and talk to them, but I couldn't. So my only option was to pray. So I'm not saying sometimes that is the only thing you can do is pray. Right? But... If the opportunity exists to do more than pray, mm-hmm. we should act upon it. Amen. If the opportunity exists to do more than simply say, I hope you're okay, then as Christians with genuine faith, we are compelled to act upon it. So if you see your brother and your sister is hurting, we should feel compelled to help alleviate their hurt. Amen. We should feel compelled to help them, to feed them, to clothe them, to love on them, to do more than simply pray or say that we'll pray. Because here's the truth. Let's be honest. Many times we say we'll pray and we walk away and forget what we said we pray for. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? That is the Christian's go-to. Um, I'll pray, and then we walk away, and we never pray. We've lied to them and lied to God, right? Um, I've been guilty of that, where i said, I'll pray for you, right, because I was distracted or busy or doing something else, and I did not activate my faith. I was not obedient to the will of God. We're going to have times when we do allow our own selfishness to overcome our faith right that obedience to god's will but your life should not be characterized by that if our lives are characterized by telling people and wishing them well but not actually helping that person then we need to question the genuineness of our faith and then for all of us who know that we have a genuine faith that we know that we help we need to look at our lives and see the times that we don't and analyze and figure out why do they make me uncomfortable? Does the situation make me uncomfortable? Do I have a, a, an issue with that person that I need to uh, get forgiveness for or I need to talk to them about, right? Uh, what, what is it that's causing me to simply not be willing to help? Now, I have to tell you, as someone who had worked in D.C. Uh, for a lot of years, it is easy to become desensitized to the homeless. It really is. And when I first started working in D.C., I would empty my wallet. I always kept dollar, dollars here and there in my wallet because I wanted to give to people. And I would empty out my wallet, giving to people, and that person would be on the same corner the next day. And then I was like, well, this doesn't make a difference. And then I started investigating. And I found out that there are places in D.C. where you can always get food where you can always find shelter as long as you're willing to obey the rules. So guess what? I became a little desensitized. Right? Because I learned that if they want to obey obey the rules, many of them can still get help. Now, there are those that need help that don't know the help is available. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Discerning between them is difficult. Now, I try to pray and ask God to help me to guide me, to direct me. Every once in a while, you'll see someone that is a transient person that you know doesn't know any better, doesn't know the place, and you can tell. And I've been known to buy them a meal here and there. Or get them, go buy them a bottle of water when it's really hot outside. Because you can tell that they're not there every day. They don't know the system. So what I'm trying to say is, as I understand there are people that milk the system and milk taking advantage of others. But... We need to be obedient to God and allow God to sort it out when it's all done with. That's right. that's Right? right? So if you know someone's abusing the system, then pray, be discerning, and don't put your money and, on your resources into dead ground. But otherwise, if you don't know and can't confirm, help that person the best that you can. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're going to get taken advantage of. We had it happen in this church. Someone that we desperately tried to help. We worked really hard. A couple of us really put a lot of time and effort to get this person into a, a shelter. We gave them uh, tents and bicycles and all kinds of stuff. And it turned out they were taking all that stuff to the pawn shop and pawning and buying beer. No and even though they, we got them a place of the shelter and did everything we could to help them, where they, they had a, the person had a job and everything... He didn't want to obey by the rules and not be sober. He didn't want to be sober. And so guess what happened? He got kicked out. Well, when that happened, he came here to the church and he said, I need money. I said, well, I'll take you over to McDonald's and I'll buy you some food. And he said to me, emphatically, I can go anywhere and get food. I need cigarettes. At which point I said, well, I'm not buying you cigarettes. He left and never came back. So there are times that people will take advantage. But I know that out of the goodness of my heart and the goodness of the heart of of some of you, that we gave without expectation of return and that God will honor that. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, is yes, there are people that abuse the system, but there are also people that don't abuse the system. And if it's not obvious, err on the side of helping people. Don't err on the side of being cynical. Does that make sense? So we need to help people and, and be sensitive and discerning and make sure that we're not sowing in the dead, dry ground. But we also can't become so cynical that we don't help anybody. Right. Yeah. But we help people and show them God's love because that's what it's about, is showing love. And what's really disgraceful is when you have hurting people within the church or people who are suffering in the church, who can't get their needs met because of the indifference of brothers and sisters in Christ if you see someone hurting reach out to that person if you see someone suffering help that person out don't just say you'll pray ask them what can I do for you now if they say to you there's nothing you can do just pray Then just pray or if they just need someone to talk to just listen it doesn't always have to be a physical need. It could be an emotional need, a mental need, a spiritual need. It doesn't always have to be a physical need. So listen, pay attention here. I mean, Miss Kim is amazing to me because she just checks in with me every once in a while and says, I'm praying for you or just sends me a scripture. That's faith in action. So if someone lays upon your heart, someone to call or someone to message, someone to say, hey, I just want to tell you that I love you today or that God loved you. Don't put it off. The devil's never going to tell you to tell someone that God loves them. Amen. He's never going to tell you to reach out to somebody and tell them that you love them and you're praying for them. And what, you know, or what can I do to help you? Amen. He's not going to. So stop worrying about that. If that gets trapped in your heart, act upon it and allow God to handle the consequences. But we must love one another, and if we have a genuine faith, then we will reach out to one another and help one another and help those who are in need. And I know I belabored that point to death. But I just want us to understand that a genuine faith will result in genuine obedience to God. Mm -hmm. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. And then James says, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you... Show you my faith by my works. 18, verse 18 is how you interpret the whole chapter. Where James says, that someone says, well I have faith. I believe that God exists. And I believe that Jesus Christ died. And I believe that he rose again. And I believe in the Holy Spirit. And I believe, I believe in this. And I believe in these doctrines of the church. And I, I believe in all of these things but I never act upon them. James said, well, you talk about your faith, and what I'll do is I'll show you my faith through my works. So I will show you my genuine faith and belief in God and who he says he is, because I'm going to be genuinely obedient to God. That is a demonstration of your faith. Now your, your, your works do not save you. Again, they are a byproduct of genuine salvation, of genuine faith. He says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Listen, even demons have faith without action. They have a belief that God exists. They have a belief that God in the Trinity. They have a belief that Jesus Christ is God. They have a belief that he died and rose again. Even the demons believe all that and they tremble. But guess what? They are not saved. So simple belief in something or saying that something exists does not mean you are saved. I have family members When you begin to talk to them about Christ and ask them about salvation, they immediately clam up and they say, "Well, I believe in Jesus." Well, that's great that you believe in Jesus. Have you made Him your Lord and Savior? Have you exercised your saving faith? That faith to say that I am making Him Lord of my life. That's the question, and 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 we. We've had conversations with those family members. You ever have someone in your family who says, well, I believe that God exists. Mm -hmm. I believe that Jesus was God. But yet they never make the real confession of faith. Exercise genuine saving faith. And how do you know? Because their actions don't change. Mm -hmm. By your fruit you shall be known. By my fruit I shall be known. If I talk about it, but don't act upon it, then I'll not produce fruit and my talk is fruitless. It doesn't mean anything if I just talk about it. We got a lot of talkers in our lives Mm -hmm. who talk a lot, but do very little. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Now, this is where there's questions, but you have to understand 18 is the key to understanding the whole chapter. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now, that seems like it's contradictory, but when did God did God tell Abraham that he was righteous because of his faith, that he believed in God, it was accounted to him as righteousness before or after Isaac? Trivia question. Before. So God said that Abraham was justified by faith. Before he ever offered Isaac. So what was the offering of Isaac a demonstration of? It was a demonstration of his faith. His obedience to God was a a direct result of that genuine saving faith. And the Bible says here where it says, Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. That word perfect literally means complete. Complete. People will know that you have a complete faith when your works line up with your mouth. When you just don't talk about it, but you act upon it. You don't talk about how much you love God and how much you love going to church and how much you love to be in his presence and how much you love him and how you want to serve him. But then you don't actually serve him. That means your faith is not complete. It means your genuineness of the, your faith comes into question. But when you and I are obedient to God despite him asking for our very firstborn, that is a genuine faith. And that's what James is saying here. Is that his faith was marked complete Because he was obedient all the way to the point of offering his own son, the heir to the promise. That from Isaac would be made a great nation. And all the earth would be blessed because of him. All the other nations of the world. Does that make sense? Or is that confusing? I'm trying to make sense here. So. It was accounted in his righteousness and his faith was marked complete because he was obedient to God. Listen. One, being obedient to God isn't just being obedient when it's easy. <coughs> Pardon me. It's not just being obedient to God if someone's hungry and you buy them a cheeseburger or the thirsty, you buy them a drink of water, which is good. We should be doing that. But it's also being obedient to him and when we don't understand why we're going through what we're going through. Yeah. Abraham couldn't possibly understand why God wanted him to sacrifice his own son. But he did it anyways. He went to go and be obedient regardless. Mm-hmm. He didn't ask God why. He didn't ask God. The Bible of Hebrews said he did believe that God would raise him from the dead if he needed to. But he didn't ask any questions. He took Isaac, he took the wood, and he went to go sacrifice Isaac. To give up what God had promised him. Are you and I willing to give up what we see as our blessing in order to be obedient to God? Many times God will ask us to sacrifice it, but then just to make sure we're willing are you willing to give that up for me? Is your faith genuine? Are you willing? And if you're willing, the blessing will be bigger than what you could possibly imagine. But genuine faith will be in obedience to God regardless, even if you have questions. It's not just about serving others, and it's not just about helping others. It's about your relationship with God and being obedient to him, even when he does something that you don't like. Or he allows something to happen that we do not care for. It's still being obedient to him. That's genuine faith. Why? Because that's faith in believing that God is who he says he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We cannot please God without faith. Amen. Amen. And faith is a belief that God is who he says he is. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. So being obedient to him, even in the midst of sickness or trial or pain or suffering, it's easy to be obedient when everything in life is going peachy keen. It's easy to buy someone a bottle of water when you've got all the water that you need. It's easy to buy somebody a cheeseburger when you've got plenty of money to buy yourself as many cheeseburgers as you could possibly want. It's a different thing to take your last dollar and buy someone a bottle of water and you go without. And that is genuine faith. Mm -hmm. Being willing to sacrifice what you have so that you go without so someone can have. Mm -hmm. Being willing to go through trials and tribulations and still love God and still serve God. In spite of what we're going through. doesn't mean you won't ask questions. doesn't mean you can't ask why. It doesn't mean you can't say, God, why am I going through this? But what it does mean is in spite of the questions and in spite of what you see with your eyes, you are still obedient. That's genuine saving faith. Amen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen. And saving faith will always result in obedience to God. Let us stand.
0: bless you.